This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, we've got Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. They can also be used to make more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip Cocktail Book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore NA. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. They're available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband, Shane. We are so glad that you could join us for happy hour tonight on This Family Tree Podcast, episode 120. So no kids, no dog? Hey, I'm trying it out. I'm trying the feel. I like how quick it goes. We're just getting right to the juice. But we still have the same theme song. We're working on inspiration to find a new theme song. We are rebranding the podcast and it's going to be a good year for us. Yeah. It's going to be a cooler pod. I well, I mean, I, th- I think it's already cool, but we'll get to that in a second. I want to let you all know who our guest is tonight because it is such an interesting interview and I, ha- I was fascinated every second of this. So I talked to Kimberly Holmes. She is the CEO of Marriage Helper. Marriage Helper has been around for decades. Uh, they help couples get back together, you know, couples that are having having troubles. They help them revive their relationship. Anyway, she shares her backstory, which neither one of us had planned prior to the interview. And you, you got to listen to it. She talks about her father who began Marriage Helper and the ups and downs on the road he went on with his own relationship with her mother oh this story is wild it's so fascinating anyway when we get into it because of course she she is a psychologist so we talk about the four phases of falling in love how to achieve ultimate attraction in any relationship and how to fall back in love if you hit a spot with your spouse where you guys just aren't feeling it anymore so super fascinating check it out and let me know what you think i loved it are you feeling it Feeling the love? I'm feeling this. <laughs> Who sings that? The, I'm feeling this. Who sings that? Is Blink-181. 182. <laughs> that was good. That was a good try. You were one off. You were one off. That was close. That was good. Oh, man. You can tell it's been a long day. Or I'm just, surprised. I'm old. You were down. You're a better person at like faking it till you make it than me because you were rough. Then we hit record. <laughs> And now it's like mounds of cocaine or something were ingested. No, you know what? I feel, I do feel good now that we're on mic. I felt a lot of anxiety because you and I have been cleaning and doing chores since like 9 a.m. And then I knew we had this podcast. I still got to shower and wash my hair. Washing and drying and then styling my hair for work tomorrow is such a process. And it's it's just so much. And our house is still so messy, even it's though just, we've been cleaning for 10 hours. It's just the downstairs. <laughs> the whole downstairs area is messy. It's like, I don't know. I, I use this on your other podcast. It's like Jumanji when all the animals run through. <laughs> yeah. That is what our basement looks, or not our basement, our bottom floor looks like right now. 
But the top floor, which is always the worst, Mm -hmm. is now the best. It is the best. It still needs a little work, but it's the best. But to me, that's the where the anxiety always lies. Downstairs, I know how to clean. I know how to make it look fine. It never gives me anxiety down here because mm-hmm. it's it's just the area that we clean. No, it's always I... messy, but it's always clean for at least twenty minutes a day when we want it to be. Mm-hmm. I agree. And you know, before we get into this anymore, because you know, anxiety, exhaustion, babe. Cheers! It is Super Bowl night. It is cleaning our house day, and we got a non-alcoholic seedlip margarita so we made this one using seedlip grove 42 what do you think let me see here (laughs) get out of here (laughs) no it's good i like it it's super good you dingus no i really do like it i i got used to the regular drinks (laughs) so now i'm thrown off because this is a special drink it is super bowl sunday by the way it is so it, it does deserve a special drink and we've changed our recording night it used to be saturday nights Now we're doing Sunday nights and Thursday releases. And look, I'm interested in hearing the the listener's opinion on this. So if you are listening to this, let me know. I'm thinking of going bossa nova for the intro. And this is like, it's like that sexy Brazilian Portuguese jazz. And Shane, you like that idea, right? It's not bad. I just need to hear some examples of songs and then we get somebody to make us a good one. Tony from Markel's. Let's get him yeah, to make it. Yeah, I like it because I think it suits us. I think it suits our vibe. It's kind of yeah. goofy, kind of playful, kind of sexy. Gets into it all. I'm down. Anyway, back to the, back to this cleaning thing. Honestly, I am feeling better right now. Good. I'm feeling <laughs> good that you're feeling so good. No, it's a little just, unsettling how hyper you are right now. but No, just getting into it and actually getting on with the things that we had on our list, it, it is making me feel so much more relieved. But tonight is Super Bowl. Today is the Super Bowl Sunday. We've discussed this, yes. <laughs> Big sports fans. <laughs> and, you know, I want to talk Super Bowl Eats for a second because it's a big day is for snacking. app? <laughs> no, it's a, that, that would be great, right? Like no waiting on the busiest day of, for like... Yeah, it costs $25 just for the, the fee to use it, <laughs> but it's zero waiting. There you Super go. Bowl eats. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a day where people snack and people bring out the most fun buffalo nacho-y snacks they have. Shane, I want to talk about our eating habits today. There was only one habit. Exactly. What was it? Roma pizza. Shane and I got a pizza that is for what, 20 people? That better not be for 20 people. Well, like you'd bring it to a party for a bunch of people. Yeah, but at a party, the Roma pizza is used like peanuts. Right. So it's it's not the meal. For us, it's the meal. That was our lunch and that was our dinner. And <laughs> you've made me very self-conscious and I'm not going to eat anymore today. I made you self-conscious? Yeah. Why? Because you came down to grab a little piece of Roma and you opened it and said, whoa. (laughs) Because while you were upstairs busting your hump cleaning, I was doing some babysitting downstairs. I guess watching my own children (laughs) that I'm calling babysitting. And I was eating a lot of Roma because it was stressful with the kids. Well, look, I'm having more after this podcast. And I hope you do do. Good for you. Have the rest. Shane, I'm going to feel self-conscious if you don't eat some again. I'm going to eat a plate of nachos. Don't worry. All right, fine. I can settle on that. And now, again, you know, Super Bowl is is taking up space in most people's heads the most, I think. 
However, like I, I could care less. I think it's the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, I'm, only because I looked at this. <laughs> okay, I have the TV. Are you sure it's right the now. Bengals? Didn't somebody say Look it was at the guy's jersey? Yeah, I thought maybe that was a flashback. Somebody posted about the Steelers or something, so I was like, "Oh, yeah, is it the Pittsburgh Steelers?" And they're not in the Super Bowl. Okay, okay. It's Cincinnati Bengals. What's the other team? LA Rams. The Rams. Rams. So two teams go sports, but the thing that I've been most into today has been the Kanye West fiasco and you told me about it because i had no idea and then you were like have you heard about kanye west he's trending over the super bowl i looked it up and now that's all i can look up are kanye's posts and people's reactions to it and every second that i have that i'm not cleaning like any time i go pee i'm just scrolling through as much content on that as i can so are you even abreast of what is going on uh, i've been following it only because my friend mike veerman who you host another podcast with has been our oh, friend Mike Veerman. Yes, our friend, your close friend, <laughs> my acquaintance Mike Veerman, sent me a message in our chat group, and he all he all it is is screen grabs of what Kanye is doing. So he's basically trying to get the family together through the Super Bowl. He had a tweet or an Instagram thing that said, "I'm trending higher than the Super Bowl right mm -hmm. now. The Super Bowl wants me and Kim to be together. I'm paraphrasing, but that was what it basically said. Yeah, so it's a lot. So about three or four days ago, Kim was in, you know, a Vogue spread was released with Kim and the kids. And Kanye posted all the pictures of Kim and their kids saying, please, God, help me get my family back. Then he deleted everything else on his account except for that. And today he has posted 17 times main feed Instagram posts. And he had one post even saying that how come only media accounts can post this much yet when I start posting this many posts, I get flagged. So he's doing all these posts in capital letters. He is dragging Pete Davidson in so many of them, basically saying like Pete sent Kanye a text saying, hey man, like, you know, I, I, I'm not going to get in the way of you and your kids. I'm just dating your wife. Kanye screen shared that text in his main feed saying, you will never meet my children and dragging Pete in all these different ways. He is um, making memes, West versus Davidson. He is saying his... <laughs> well, Instagram <laughs> thought his account was hacked. I'm just looking this up right now. So he had to take a picture of himself holding a, a yellow legal pad that says, <laughs> my account is not hacked. And it says the date on it. Yes. But yes. it's almost like a hacker could have gotten anything with him holding a piece of paper up and put that on it. No, it's wild. It's this wild. Is... But it's all Kanye. He posted and deleted, actually, um, a picture of Shane, former podcast guest Perez Hilton. And he posted a picture of Perez. And underneath, he said, Perez, please help me get my family back. Thanks for your support. And Perez was just like, yo, man, mm -hmm. text Kim, call her, get Chris to mediate do something like I can't really help, but maybe reach out to your ex. And it's wild. And with all of this happening, because I can guarantee it's going to go on throughout the rest of the night. Kanye's at the Super Bowl. And I just imagine that he's going to continue putting this kind of stuff out. My thought is he's dating currently two women very publicly right now, Julia Fox, and then another woman that looks like Kim Kardashian. It doesn't seem that serious, though, based on how the uh, social media has been going. But I'm so I'm so fascinated by what Julia Fox is, how she's taken this in. She seems like someone who's liking the publicity of just being in Kanye's orbit, though. 
I guess so. Because she, she seems like a serial dater of rich men. Yeah. I'm basing this on one photo I've seen, by the way. I'm... <laughs> what was the photo? I don't know. You showed me if we were doing a TikTok where you had oh, to play yeah. this woman and I was Kanye. So I wanted to see what they were dressing so we could get our wardrobe to match. So he does seem like I mean, if you're his revenge date, it sounds like a good gig. So he upon I think their very first date or their first weekend hanging out, he threw away all her old clothes and bought her an entire new wardrobe. Then for her birthday, he got all of her and her friends Birkin bags. Do you know how much those are? No, I don't even know what a Birkin bag is. They're like between, you can't even, here's the thing, money can't even get you Birkin bags. You have to be money and you have to be someone because they won't, they won't just give it to you if you're willing to pay for it. There's like all these lists and you have to be like somebody important or powerful and culturally whatever to actually get ahead on the list. So he got like, I don't know, 15 Birkin bags for Julie and her friends are between 25 and like a hundred thousand dollars just ridiculous stuff but it does sound like she's having the time of her life but with all this going on what i want to ask you because kanye you know he's dating these two women and he's making this super public play to get his family back he is showing the entire world his manic desperation and he's going through stuff obviously and i hope he gets the help he needs or whatever that is but have you ever broken up with somebody and then publicly made a play to get them back because usually that's something we kind of try to hide except with maybe our closest friends we never try to show how heartbroken we are after getting out of a relationship or after something didn't work but have you ever been in the Kanye situation oh yeah like if if yeah I was in that situation I was, I've been I've been desperate to get people back after we've broken up briefly. But, you know, when you're young, you you go through these two, three day breakups. And I've done please public things, Facebook posts, uh, <laughs> messages, try, trying everything. But you've done public Facebook posts about breaking up with somebody. And like not so not as avert as Kanye, but putting up a weird photo that everyone knows what it means or something <laughs> with like a weird caption or weird lyrics. Everyone's done this stuff. I haven't. Okay. This is why I'm well, fascinated by it. Oh, unless I've been like, you know, had a couple drinks, then okay. yes. Okay. Well, that's the same thing. I, I assume Kanye's had a couple of drinks. I don't know. He's been doing this stuff since like the early afternoon, but I guess so. Maybe it is it's Super, Super Bowl, Bowl Sunday. Sunday. You know, you let loose a little bit. <laughs> All right. The next thing, Shane, that I want to ask you about, or not ask you about, we're going away this week. Mm -hmm. Are you going to be able, you got so many things going on. This is more of, I guess I'm asking personally, are you going to be able to relax a little bit? Are you going to be able to relax? You are the most like energizer bunny right now. Trust me. I'm not worried about me (laughs) relaxing. I'm worried about you going to sleep tonight. (laughs) Me too. I have had a lot of caffeine today. Yeah, of, you're a lot like, of diet cokes. You're on ten right now. Eleven was one might say. Hey, I've I have had a good day though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your topic, babe? Um, Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl Sunday, as as, as we've discussed. <laughs> I've got an idea. Tell mm-hmm. me what you think. Okay. We go to the Super Bowl next year. Why? Well, I'm a little bit uh, jealous today. My friend Max, close friend, fellow mm. podcaster Max Kerman, he's in the band Arkells, as any Canadian knows. He's down there with Will Forte right now, partying. 
well, this morning or yesterday, sorry, Saturday, he was at a pool party with Will Forte. And my other friend was there. And I love MacGruber, mm-hmm. obsessed with Will Forte. He's probably my favorite comedic person in the world right now, like him, Tim Robinson, Nathan Fielder, and uh, what's his name? John Williams. John, w- Wilson. John Wilson. John Wilson. <laughs> but I, I've gotten to do an interview with John Wilson. Mm-hmm. So that has been satiated. But I'm doing a sketch show right now. And Max is in the pool with Will Forte telling him about the sketch show. And I just wish I was there. It's pretty nuts. And every year, a couple of my friends go to the Super Bowl and they have these amazing experiences. I don't give a shit about football. I just want to be around this event. Like LeBron's there right now. Kanye's there. (laughs) Will Forte's there. There's so much energy around L.A. right now because of the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And I want to be in that orbit. So I looked it up. And just the baseline, like cheapest ticket is $3,000, basically. Right. What do you think about that? If we plan for it all year, we just, you know, maybe we, there's a day of the week we don't eat or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, what do you think? What's your appetite, no pun intended, for doing that? I mean, we could have the same experience just by going to LA and hanging out with people we know and the people in their orbit no, the, all the celebs gravitate to the su- super bowl like you know yeah right now because it's, yeah, it's 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 in la right now and i think that's why every year it's like this so i think that i'd say yeah let's definitely consider it if your buddy who is the party hookup is able to get us into the parties because i don't want to like like, I don't want to go there and then be like, oh, sorry, uh, Alex, I only got one more spot. And then I'm left out on the curb like, you know, that would be my fear because I don't know how much this friend loves me. So if we get in, mm-hmm. you'll go. Yeah. You're right. You might not get in. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Yeah, you're right. That's that trouble. The friend might not love me, right? No, I don't know. Yeah. You've, you know, you've had some <laughs> moments that weren't the best. I just remembered that. Stuff. What is your appetite for me going alone? Get out of here. I want to go too. I, I, if if it's going to party, I want to go to party. I don't care about the game. I want to go to the parties. But what if it's the difference between me meeting Will Forte and changing the rest of our lives? Well, let's go, and then you could be like, "Oh, I'm I'm in the party, Will Forte. My wife had to stay outside because this friend doesn't love her that much." And then the friend looks like the meanie i get in the party and then we're in will forte's inner circle because he feels bad okay we're going to the super bowl all right so (laughs) no i say we get to uh the fascinating talk with kimberly holmes okay let's get to that but before we get to this kimberly holmes interview let's tell everyone who we're supported by we are supported by bravado designs they make the best bras you can get your hands on to nursing bras everyday bras They got you covered and they are luscious. Any other bra doesn't even make my top two because there's only one bra there and it's Bravado Designs. (laughs) I was first introduced to Bravado through Shane when I was pregnant with Lucy and I I needed a nursing bra. I just wasn't prepared. He came home with a Bravado and I have not looked back since. (laughs) Shane was about to uh, give himself props, which which are due because... I put my hand up to speak. You ignored me. I was only going to say I'm a bra connoisseur. I'm sorry. (laughs) Continue your read. It's valuable. But they do make the most practical, easy to use, and comfortable nursing bras that I have 
ever used that my friends have ever used. You know, they'll be using something else. I'll toss them a bravado and then they get hooked. And now as women who are kind of moving from that phase in our life, we are still feeling so happy because bravado now has an everyday collection. I have a question. Can you use an everyday bravado bra every day? You can use it every day. That makes sense. And they do not have clips. They are not bras for nursing mothers. They are just for anybody with boobs on their day-to-day life. And again, you have the same comfort, the same look, and it's just... The same feel? The same feel, babe. Excellent. (laughs) And they are so nice. So you can get your hands on the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com, or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that's bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. And now let's get to our interview with Kimberly. So I've got Kimberly Holmes with me today, the CEO of Marriage Helper. And we're going to talk marriages. We're going to talk relationships, the inevitable drifting apart that sometimes happens after kids, because a lot of our listeners are parents and parents are not. We've all been living together in weird circumstances because of the pandemic for the last couple of years. And that is, of course, going to cause some issues in any relationship, unless you have some kind of unicorn, magical, weird, amazing relationship that I thought didn't exist in real life. But I want to know how you got into Marriage Helper and what your background is in. So I am the CEO of Marriage Helper. So I love getting to work with my amazing leadership team to fulfill an amazing mission. And what Marriage Helper does is we support, save, and strengthen marriages to last a lifetime. And so I've been with Marriage Helper for 10 years now, which Mm -hmm. is crazy. This is my 10-year anniversary. Congrats. just been able to see... I mean, we've worked with thousands upon thousands of marriages. In 2020, for example we were able to serve 10,000 marriages. So it's amazing to see the impact that that Marriage Helper's mission is able to have. Who who started Marriage Helper? Yeah. So my dad, my parents actually started Marriage Helper. And I'll tell you a little bit. So it was your parents started it. And then you grew up in the same kind of academic, you know, forum. And then you've now taken over. Yeah. Well, it's even crazier than that. So actually what happened was back, uh, several years before I was born, my, my dad was a very famous speaker in the circles that he was a speaker in just to give you an example of how successful, so to say he was, he, his speaking schedule was booked five years out. What's his name? Is it recognizable? Well, for some, for certain, certain circles, it would be, but, uh, his name is Dr. Joe Beam. But internationally, no. But if you're in certain circles that that he would have been speaking to, you you would know him. And so what ended up happening though was he had an affair okay. with his secretary, left my mom, divorced her, and left my two, my two older sisters okay. who were 12 and seven at the time. And they were divorced for three years. And my dad went from being this highly successful person that many people looked up to to being uh, homeless. He was living out of his car. He was bankrupt. He became an addict to not only alcohol, but prescription drugs just became this person that no one would know 
he didn't even know who he was anymore during that three years after he divorced my mom. And essentially, sorry, that's because, I mean, who's going to be paying for a speaker in this field when Mm -hmm. this is how they go about their own life? Is that like essentially it? Okay. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So he, he lost his job, lost a lot of his friends because many of his friends didn't agree or approve of anything that he was doing and really was left completely alone. So the way, when I say this, it it isn't actually this way. Like the, the way you tell the story though, is one day he woke up. It didn't just happen one day when he woke up and realized everything he'd done. It was over, of course, a period of weeks and months, but he woke up and he said, I don't even know who I am anymore. And I don't even like it. And I thought that my life was going to end up being this, this field of flowers and roses, you know, the grass is greener on the other side, but, but it's not, I want my family back. Mm -hmm. So he went to my mom who had already moved on. She was dating another person at this time and asked her if she would take him back. And everyone in her life told her not to do it. No kidding. (laughs) That's what I'd be saying. Yeah. Right. Like, of course not. Once a cheater, always a cheater. You can't trust him again. But she knew that he was a good person who had done a lot of bad things, but she believed it was the right thing to do to try and make it work. Wow. So that's what they did. They, people usually, this is typically where people say, what in the world is what I'm about to say? They loved each other when they remarried, but they were not in love with each other Mm -hmm. when they remarried, but they were committed to trying and make it work. And they did. So they they figured it out. They fell back in love, put their marriage back together. They had me as a celebration of that second marriage. And then in the late nineties was when my dad, he had been, he had gotten back into the corporate world, was doing a lot of speaking there, but just wasn't fulfilled. And so he and my mom had a conversation and said, what if we did something to help marriages not have to go through the pain and heartache that we and the girls, my two older sisters went through. And so in 1999, my dad started Marriage Helper. That wasn't its name back then, right. but that's that's what it was back then. And um, started with this three-day workshop that now thousands upon thousands of couples have gone through. And according to two research studies, it has over a 70% success rate at saving marriages. So that is really the backstory of how Marriage Helper started and, and I got into it. I was planning on being a counselor. So I was actually getting my master's degree in marriage and family therapy mm. when I started working with Marriage Helper and just caught the vision of what it could be. And that's that's how I got involved. So this is so fascinating to me. I wasn't expecting that backstory. It took me by surprise, but I... I love it. I like the juice. I like the ups and the downs. That's wild. And um, just to have as kind of the backbone of the foundation and the company that you work for is interesting because it's totally integral to the story. Yes. And my question, so I'm I'm bad with trust as it is. My listeners know this. Even with nothing having broken my trust, right? I'm bad mm-hmm. with trust. Uh how like were they able to get the trust back because i've heard of instances in which you know a partner cheats they get back together and everything's great they manage to work on it with blips but then i hear other circumstances in which a couple gets back together and then there's always lingering trust issues which kind of infiltrates every other aspect of the uh the relationship so were they able to get back and you as a, a child 
were you, I knew you came into this after you were like the celebration kid, Mm -hmm. but were you able to kind of trust that your father was being a good husband to your mother? Mm. Hmm. Great question. Uh, So I'll answer them in the order that you asked them. There's two things that need to happen to rebuild trust in a relationship. And the ones that go well is because whether they know it or not, they're typically following the process of rebuilding trust. And there's two parts to that process. So the first one is that the person who did the offense, so the person who broke trust in whatever whatever way they broke trust, Mm -hmm. needs to be willing to be held highly accountable for a period of time. So in an affair, what that looks like when you're recovering from that is that the person who cheated needs to give access to everything they have to Mm -hmm. their spouse. Here's my phone password. Here's my email password, all my social media. You get to check it anytime you want, because that's the, that's the first step. Like I have to know if I've been cheated on or lied to or betrayed in some way that you're now being totally honest with me and that I have access to any knowledge I want to know at the time that I want to know it for a period of time, because no one can live like that for the rest of their life. It needs to be done just long enough that the person realizes, okay, they're trustworthy and I trust them again. So there's, there's that part of it, the accountability, but then there is also the part of, of being forthright. Like you, you really start to make sure you're telling the truth about everything. There's a lot more about that I could go into, but it's not the, the whole topic of our podcast. But the second part of that is the forgiveness of the person who had been cheated on Mm -hmm. or the person who has been lied to. So can I fully forgive them, not hold this over their head and bring it up at every instance that I can? Can I really fully forgive and begin to to move on so that we can rebuild trust? So there, it takes those two things Mm -hmm. for trust to be rebuilt firmly. Okay. And, and, and then was, they were able to do that, I guess. And then were, were you able to, yeah, as the yeah. child of that, trust him? Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I think it would be a more interesting question to ask my my sisters because right. they were the ones who experienced both of it. But I will I will share my experience and then how my dad re like rekindled the relationship with my sisters too. Mm-hmm. So for me, I grew up with two amazing parents. Like I, uh, you know, no parent is perfect, but mine were pretty close. <laughs> They were really pretty close. So I got to see just how much they loved each other. I would see them fight, but I would see them make up. Like that's what I was, that's what was modeled to me and with my parents. And they started telling me at an, a pretty early age, like I can't even remember when, but I knew from pretty early that they had gotten divorced and they had gotten remarried. That was always just part of the family story. So my dad never did anything to, break my trust. And what I had seen modeled with him and my mom, it, I just, that was the past. And now here, I never thought about it. And to this day, my dad, actually, it's interesting, the more I think about it. So one of the things I remember most about, um, when I was a kid that my dad would always say to me is he would always say, I will keep my word, no matter what I tell you, I will keep my word to you. And I saw that lived out. So when I was a kid, I was terrified of thunderstorms, terrified of tornadoes. And he promised me that if there was ever a time that a tornado watch or tornado warning was coming, that he would come and get me. He would not let me stay at school alone. 
And so there was, when I was in seventh grade, that happened. And the teacher or the principal at the principal's office in the front said, you can't go get her there in the halls. Like we're under the watch. And he said, she's my daughter. Watch me. Mm-hmm. And he found me in the school because he was going to uphold his word. Mm-hmm. So he, and he had always done that with me. So I always trusted him. And he did that with my sisters as well. So after he had come back, he had, he had to do the same kind of accountability. I'm going to be there for you, you know, probably more to the extreme mm-hmm. for them, especially the first several years. But my sisters have forgiven him to this day. Like they trust him. They go to him mm-hmm. for all of their issues and relationship issues because he rebuilt that trust and he's continued to live it out for now, you know, 35 years. That's amazing. And I I can only imagine then the ways in which he must have modeled that for your mother too, Mm -hmm. to, you know, reattach that relationship. It's fascinating. And moving on from that backstory, I wasn't expecting to be so you know, mesmerized by that. But let, let's talk about Marriage Helper. Let's talk about Love Path. And the first thing we're going to get into is the four phases of loving, falling in love and staying in love. Because for me, it's like you get drinks, you spend a night, you have a good time, couple laughs, bam, in love. Right. I, I don't know scientifically. So I, I'm hoping you can mm-hmm. go through that with me. Absolutely. Yes. There actually is a process to falling in love and most people don't know it, but if you follow the process, then you'll fall in love. If you stop following the process, then you can fall out of love, even if you don't mean to. And all of these are research-based stages that we go through as well. So the first step, the first stage of the love path is attraction. So that breaks down even further to there's four types of attraction. It's not just physically is that man, super sexy. Is that woman beautiful? It really goes deeper than that because physical might be the first thing we see. And even today with dating apps, it typically still is the first thing that we Mm -hmm. see, but that, that only matters most to people who are really looking for short term relationships. Yes. I, I, on that, I am repulsed by a lot of people that I find physically attractive, like Mm -hmm. repulsed. (laughs) So it's probably because of one of these next three parts Mm -hmm. of it. So physical is the first part or the first area of attraction, we could say. The second area of attraction is intellectual attraction. And this area basically is asking the question, is this a person that I enjoy talking to and can have great conversations with? So there's a lot of the people, like I remember in high school and in college, a lot of the jocks were, had great bodies, right? (laughs) Like great muscles, but it felt like I was talking to someone with the IQ of a carrot. It -hmm. was like, we can't have a conversation and we don't have shared interests. So that matters that it's, if you're thinking about it, like layers of a cake or layers of an onion, then the physical is just the outer part. But the deeper we go, the deeper we get to know about a person. So an intellectual attraction, we're understanding their hobbies, their likes, their interests, the way they think. And can I, can I have a conversation with this person? The third area of of attraction is emotional attraction. And this one, when it comes to long-term relationships is arguably the most important part Mm -hmm. of attraction because it asks the question, does this person evoke emotions within me that I enjoy feeling? So I had a friend who several years ago was dating this guy. They started dating in like February and their relationship was great. It was going fine. 
But when summer came, they started going to the beach together, to the pool together. And he started saying things to her like, you know, you'd look a whole lot better in that swimsuit if you lost 15 pounds. <gasps> what a bastard. Right? Yeah, exactly. Who the fuck says that? Like, actually, though, who actually <laughs> says that? This guy. And that is emotional attraction at its worst. Oh, my right? God. Like, That's all abusive. of a sudden, I don't like the way you, you make me feel. Yeah. Because you're saying things about me that, that don't edify me. They're not encouraging. Right. And, and this can fall into a lot of different types of behaviors, controlling behaviors, jealousy, breaking trust. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of these things can fall under here. The baseline question is, do I evoke emotions within them? They enjoy feeling, do they evoke emotions within me that I enjoy feeling? Cause we only want to be around the people where we like how they make us feel. And then the fourth area of attraction is spiritual attraction. And this could have to do with faith backgrounds, but it really has to do with similar beliefs and values. Mm -hmm. So we tend to want to be with someone, especially long-term who at least shares our core beliefs and values, mm -hmm. whatever those are. And so that could show politically, it could show in faith, it could show in just the way you think people should be treated in the world. But if there's something that I care a lot about, like if I care and I do about racial diversity, then I'm probably going to want to be with someone who shares the same, the same passion for it. Mm -hmm. That can, again, that can show up in a lot of different ways. So if you were listening, each of those letters, each of those areas has a letter. So P I E S, we call it the pies of attraction. And it's just a quick framework that people can think of when they're thinking of themselves, thinking of their relationship and say, what am I doing to become the best I can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually? Mm -hmm. What am I doing to work on my pies? So that is the first area, the first stage of the love path. Okay. And I like that. And I like connecting uh, the spiritual aspect of that, not only to a faith-based background, because like I, I've grown up Catholic. My husband, I, I guess, grew up Christian, but not really like yeah. totally agnostic. And that's not a factor in our relationship. But then bringing in the political aspect, it becomes more of a factor and our core values, which are so similar regardless of anything. And I, that is so important. And ensuring that, I guess, when it comes to staying in love, if you are changing and maybe you're in the spiritual aspect, since I was just talking about that, if that is changing and that is developing with maybe your experiences in life or your political leanings or whatever, how mm -hmm. can you work through that with a partner? Because, yeah. I mean, again, look at the last two years. There is so much divide. And I know couples that have broken up right? And it's probably for the best, but in a lot of the circumstances, but still, you know, if you don't want to break up and you are having kind of a divergence of beliefs, is there a way to kind of go through that change together? Yeah. Great question. Because we do continue after we say I do or enter into a relationship, we continue to change. Mm -hmm. We're not the same people. We've been married 11 years. And I know I'm a different person. There's still parts of me that are consistent, but I know I'm a different person with some of my beliefs and values than I was 11 years ago. So one way, one way that couples can navigate that better together 
is when you do have different beliefs. Number one, you don't, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to just hear a differing opinion or belief of your spouse and then just start berating them for it. Mm -hmm. How in the world could you think that? Are you an idiot? This is what's happening in society now. Like there's no, oh gosh, it's a, what's the word? I can't even think of it. Tolerance. There's no Mm -hmm. tolerance for the, the middle ground. There's no tolerance for the disagreement and having healthy discussion around it, which is what needs to happen. So instead of just shutting them down, berating it, I encourage people to like have an honest conversation where both of you are open and vulnerable and share why that specific belief matters to you, Mm -hmm. because there's typically going to be a story underneath it that, that, that paints a bitter, a bigger picture of why they believe the way that they believe. So one example of this is I have a a great friend who is the executive director of a a place here in Nashville called the West Nashville Dream Center. And it is a, just an amazing organization that's really focused on helping single moms, low-income moms um, be able to provide for their family. It provides education for the kids. It does a lot of community outreach. And so uh, for her, Like one of her big things is we have to be able to, like, we've got to be thinking more about the racial inequality and we've got to be thinking more about how much this is affecting because that's who she's working with. Mm -hmm. Like that is who she's seeing on a day-to-day basis. And that is what matters most to her. Whereas I have another great friend who is doing equally amazing work. And while she cares about racial equality as well, her bigger focus is more on like, how are we helping the homeless population? Mm -hmm. How are we helping the, um, you know, just how we can feed them and, and how we can get them jobs and things like that. And so there's political issues that they differ on, on the surface, but when you get to the bottom of some of the reasons behind why they think the way they do, why they're so passionate in the way they're passionate, you actually see they have a whole lot more in common than they actually differ on. Yeah. And so if you can have those conversations with your spouse to see what's the core, like what's driving it, a lot of times people find we actually have, we're actually more on the same page than it looks like we're opposed to each other. Mm-hmm. They're just exhibiting themselves differently in behavior. Okay. And so now, you know, we've been through the phases of attraction and now we're married in a relationship or just in a long-term relationship, whatever. And how do we achieve ultimate attraction? Because I know that's something that you touch on. So just like, you know, kids, again, they kind of ruin things for a time period. They make things difficult. They do make everything difficult. And so when that attraction starts to wane, because it's it's not in the honeymoon phase forever, and it can always be high, but it's not in that honeymoon phase forever. So when it does start to wane or plateau, how can we kind of give it a bump up if that's mm-hmm. possible? Mm-hmm. It's absolutely possible, number one. And the first thing that you do when things begin to fade, the romance begins to die down, the first thing that people can come back to is this concept of the pies. Okay, so what can I do mm-hmm. to physically feel the best that I can feel? It doesn't have to do with looks. It could just do with Am I sleeping eight hours a night? Like, am I mentally even able to show up with energy the next day? (laughs) Right. Personally, no. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> right. Need more sleep. And, um, and then thinking like intellectually, what am I doing to engage my brain? This is especially great for the stay at home parent mm-hmm. who can get overwhelmed with, you know, the cartoons and the Legos and the coloring you need to invest in yourself intellectually too, whether that's picking up a new hobby or taking some online courses or just whatever, do something to stimulate your brain. Emotionally, what am I doing to evoke positive emotions in the people in my life? And spiritually, how am I living out my beliefs and values? Mm -hmm. So this can even just be, you know, let's go volunteer at a soup kitchen or make a casserole. I'm from the South, make a casserole (laughs) for our neighbor and send it over to them or mow our, mow my friend's lawn. I mean, it can be many different ways that you focus on doing something for other people and, and spiritually live out your beliefs and values. But that's a great place to to start. But another thing with parents is I always ask them and shoot, I have to do this with my husband. We have two kids. How are we taking the time out of our our week, our day to only connect with each other Mm -hmm. to even if it's putting the kids to, to bed 30 minutes, an hour early and us just talking, you can't get away from that. That is where it really starts. You really start to disconnect even more when you stop talking to each other about your day, how you feel your dreams, your wishes, and you only talk about the kids or the finances. That is when marriage can get real stale. You need to invest in, in having that fun again, going back to being best friends. Yeah. And I, that's so important for us too. And we try to take on a lot of projects together. We do this podcast together. We do other projects. He gets me involved in his projects. And everything is kind of like a game to us. And then at least we can, you know, even if we're not fully in it together, we have a handle on what the other person is doing. But I mean, there are still so many times when, you know, I think about like the most unattractive thing that Shane could do that pisses me off. And he'd probably agree that it's the exact same for him, but it's if we're like trying to have a nice moment and then one of us like pulls out our cell phone and is looking at something Mm -hmm. on our cell phone, that makes me go from zero to a hundred so damn fast. And Mm -hmm. because I just get so annoyed, right? And and I think he feels the exact same way, but I want to know with you, because you are a parent as well, you're married, what is the, what is that? thing for you? What is that pet peeve? What is the thing that can make you go from zero to a hundred, even if it's, you know, you're being outrageous about it? Mm, Great question. I have to (laughs) narrow it down to just one. (laughs) Yeah. So I will say it used to be, it used to be what you said about the cell phones and it would still be probably that for my husband, but, uh, when he's thinking about it, about me, but he got rid of his cell phone three years ago, four years ago. What do you mean? Uh, he got rid of his smartphone. So he has an old school flip phone. No way. Wait, way. what was what was the decision making? See, you're so I love the stories that you got beneath the topics that we are like <laughs> here to talk about. You right? got all the good stories underneath it all. So oh my gosh. Why did yeah. he get rid of it? Because he realized I'm this I am so proud of him. He realized he was spending too much time on it. He he was like, I'm just so my husband. My husband had gotten out of the army. He was in the army for seven years. And then he kind of took two years to go through an existential crisis of what am I going to do with my life? And so during that two years, that's when he realized he was spending hours a day, like four to six hours a day, just on his phone, just going from app to app, Mm -hmm. checking things, checking things. 
And he got to a point where he said, I'm done with this. And then he, I would notice it with him too. Like if we were on our, you know, trying to watch TV at night Mm -hmm. or just trying to have a conversation, it was just easy for him to, to do it out. But I'm not the one who forced him to do it. Like he made that decision, got rid of his smartphone and has had a flip phone now for four, three or four years. So, I mean, it's to the point where some of them stop working because like the, the <laughs> network can't actually service that phone anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's why he did it. So wait, is he, is he now more annoyed if you're on your smartphone? Yes. Oh, for sure. And I'm more conscious of it yeah. because he's not doing it. And so I really have to, um, like I've considered getting one of those jail boxes that you put your phone in at the evenings and you can't get it out for like four hours for however long you program it in there for. So, I mean, I've considered that just because I really want to enter into a stage where I don't touch my phone as much. Mm -hmm. I've thought about doing the smartphone thing too. Maybe one day I'll pull the plug, but what he would say about me, what he would say about me, like what gets me zero to a hundred. That was your, the question that you asked is here's what it was this morning, just to be real raw with you. I love my, my mornings, my time. Like I have a routine in the mornings and that is my one thing. And when someone like Rob, that's my husband, <laughs> specifically. Um, specifically Rob, when I feel like he's not respecting that, that will get me zero to a hundred really quick. So wait, could that be like asking you to do something when you're still midway through a coffee? Oh my gosh. Don't ask me to do anything. We had this argument this morning, except opposite. She- <laughs> <laughs> this very argument. And we've had it three times this week. So this morning was like kind of the last straw where we had to discuss it. We couldn't just like brush it off. And we had to discuss it. Where Shane's like, I'm just trying to get my head on because I'll get up in the morning. And I'll start bouncing around and, you know, drink my coffee and do things. I'm fine with that. Shane likes to have his coffee and then do things. And to me, I'm like, oh, come on, you can freaking you can do this one thing. You can talk to me about that. You don't need to sit there and wake yourself up. But some people do. Evidently, you are in his camp. You're Team Shane right now. Yeah. I'm Team Shane right now. (laughs) I'm Team Shane right now. You're right. All right, Kimberly, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh. They're a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. We love them. We love them so much and the kids love them. And it's great because they believe in quality over quantity and they make the best basics. For your littles. Imagine the kids didn't love them and we still made them wear it because we did. just forced it. I guess you can do that. No, not with Lou. You can't force her into something. No, she's too. Betty, you could still force. She's too headstrong, but it's great because she likes them because they are so soft and comfy. And we like them because they're timeless and then great quality. So we can pass them down to Betty. And really, you can pass them from child to child regardless of gender. And all this stuff is easy to get on the kids and off for changing. That's easy. It's zippers and the stuff that doesn't have zippers. It's just really easy, cozy, goes over the head. It just 
fits perfectly and it looks great. Plus, their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using mm. GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact, non-toxic dyes. Mini Miyash is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. You can find the company online at minimiyash.com or at minimiyash on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. And again, that is minimiash.com and ThisFamilyTree15. But we are also supported by True Earth. And if you listen to our podcast, you know this isn't new that Shane and I have been reducing our environmental footprint. It's kind of our thing now. It's our thing. And one way we're doing this is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household. I won't even let a double-use plastic in this home. I've gotten to that point, actually. <laughs> so we are using glass bottles for everything or just the same, you know, plastic bottle that we are refilling with True Earth's products. And when I talk about bottles, that's because we are also now using the True Earth all-purpose spray, which is incredible. Very similar to the detergent. You just stick a strip of soluble material in there, add some water, and then it's it's amazing. It smells good. It cleans effectively, just like the detergent. And everything, like I said, comes in these pre-measured strips. So you don't have to pour everything. Nothing gets messy. And the best part and I know Shane likes this, is that because you're not getting jugs of detergent, you know, jugs of spray, your house looks cleaner. Our laundry room actually looks like a place that you want to go and do laundry. I have a full head of hair, but my nickname in high school was Mr. Clean. <laughs> so True Earth is essentially so easy. It keeps things so tidy. And I want to let you know, you know, as a family with two young kids with very sensitive skin, we go for the baby detergent because, you know, it's fragrance free, it's gentle on everyone's skin, and it's still so tough on dirt. So our clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean. So check out True Earth at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order. You will love this product. Take my word for it. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now let's get back to our interview with Kimberly. No, I, I, I like that. And I, those kinds of things are very funny and you know, they're so prevalent in everybody's lives, but they do make the attraction just on short term. If you know, you're addressing these issues kind of wobble, but then you get back to it. And I know Shane and I, like we try to book every couple months, try to get rid of the kids for a night to three nights and go and do something fun. And yes. we did something in, at the beginning of December, we got out to a spa for two nights and we're hoping to do the same in February. Yes. And that's – it's the best way for us to reconnect because then we just – we put work on hold. We are just doing adult stuff. It's so fun. We talk about the kids, but it's not the overarching theme, right? right. And to be like, we party. We like partying together. So we like get crazy. And yeah. what is the thing that you guys do to reconnect and, you know, help that – pump that attraction back up? Yes. Our biggest one is travel, but mm. specifically new places, exploring new things and doing, doing new things. Mm -hmm. So we last September, we went out to Arizona for a full week and just did Sedona, hiked some of the, the rocks there like with the kids rock. or did you leave them behind oh no yeah no they were here good for you guys good for you <laughs> we left the kids left the kids and just went all the way up to page and just had great experiences we mm -hmm. we really love to do it internationally but we just haven't bitten the bullet of like 
navigating what that looks like since, since 2020 no, yet. I know. But want to like really want to go to Iceland, but that is what, what really reconnects us. Like, so it's not just leaving everything behind, but it's also these new memories that we're making together and having new experiences, which also, when you look at the research bonds, people together as well. Like if you do that with a friend or your parents or your kids or your spouse, those new experiences, it could even just be eating at a new restaurant and eating types of foods you've never had before bonds you it continues and deepens the bond you have with that person no i think that's awesome and again like so every wednesday we do a date night and we try to order from a different local restaurant or something like that and that is so fun like we we love doing oh and we open a new bottle of wine then we sample a new bottle of wine together that we've never tried so it's so fun so i get the bonding over food and drink that is like huge in our life and yes now the last you know big relationship theme i want to talk about which you have more experience in than I thought, you know, after hearing your backstory about your parents, but how to re-fall in love and make Mm. it better than before. Because that is something personally that I'd I'd have a hard time getting my head around. There being a huge chasm in, in the relationship caused by whatever, and then repairing it, but repairing it and being stronger and being able to just get past that and be, be better people for it. I want to think it's possible, but it's, it's hard to mm-hmm. imagine. Yes. So I mentioned at, at a couple of minutes ago when we were talking about the love path, mm-hmm. there's, so there's four stages to it. So I've talked about the first one. Let me talk about the other three and then okay. I'm going to wrap it into the question you just said. So the process of falling in love or re-falling in love starts with attraction. But the second stage that you go to from there is acceptance. And basically at its core, acceptance really means, can I accept this person, love them, cherish them, treat them with respect for who they are right now, if nothing ever changed? That's a big question. That's It is a big Mm -hmm. question. That is not to say that there's not things that shouldn't change because Mm -hmm. there are like there are some there are times and places and spaces for for the boundaries, the consequences, the change, all of the things. And all of us need to continue to change and, and work to become better. But when you attach that to your love for that person, that is what begins to break apart the relationship, because then a person can begin to feel like you don't really love me for me. Mm -hmm. You love me for who you think I have the potential to be or who I was. Yeah. Or for who I was or for who you wish I was. And at the beginning of our marriage, this one was difficult for me because I did not know my husband was an introvert. Mm. We had dated long distance for a year. And so I, when I would see him over a three-day weekend, he was full of, of energy because <laughs> he had been alone for the, whole, for the whole week. And so we did stuff. We hung out with people. And then we get married. And he's, he says, I need time. Like he would come home from work and just say, I need to be alone for like an hour. Like alone? <laughs> what do you mean you need to be alone? Like I've been here alone all day and now it's my time to spend yeah. with you. Um, isn't this why we got married? And that was hard. Cause I took it as he just doesn't want to be around me. Mm-hmm. And so I would start trying to get him to change. Like you need to not do that. You need to spend time with me. You need to go to all these parties with me, like full social calendar. And that caused that began, like that was kind of the beginning of a lot of problems in the first four years of our marriage. And 
but at, at his core, he did not feel like I accepted him as he was. And at my core, I didn't yeah. back then. Yeah. And I had to really learn to accept him like for who he is, how he is. And that is what leads people to want to change. So right. the psychologist, Carl Jung, he's famously quoted for saying, when I accept others for who they are, they change. And when I accept myself for who I am, I begin to change. So that's, that's the core of it. Acceptance is, will you accept them for who they are, how they are, even if they don't change, knowing that all of us need to change. So that's the second stage like of the lot, love path. Yeah. It builds trust. It builds a lot of great things, which moves us into the third stage of the love path, which we call attachment. So there's a lot now uh, that people talk about with attachment styles, and it's kind of become way more popular in the mainstream pop psychology sector. But really at, at its core, at attachment styles core, is the question, will you be there for me when I need you? Bottom line, will you be there for me physically when I need you to hold me and comfort me? Will you be there for me mentally when I need you to talk to me, to, to either comfort me, to encourage me, whatever? Will you be there for me when I'm breaking down emotionally? Mm-hmm. Will you be there for me when I need you? And when we feel secure in the relationship, when we know the answer to that question is yes, then that builds an incredibly deep commitment to the relationship because you're not wanting to look anywhere else for Mm -hmm. that. You have the committed person who's going to give you what you need there with you, which can then lead us to the final and fourth stage of the love path, which is aspiration. So in this one, it's all about building shared dreams together. So one of the, th- you were kind of talking about this a little while ago, talking about you and Shane, how you do the podcast together. There's different things that you do together that not only helps you to stay attracted to each other, but you're really also having a shared meaning for your marriage or having a yeah. shared vision. And a lot of couples don't have that. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything to pull them back together when life is trying to pull them apart. And that while most couples don't get there, most couples don't have it when you do. And when you make it a priority to have that, that is what makes your relationship more satisfying, more meaningful, and more committed than, than all of the other things. It's like the cherry, the huge cherry, the delicious cherry (laughs) on top of the ice cream sundae that seals the deal. So following all four of those and continuing to focus on all four of those. That's how you refall, continue to refall in love with someone and make your marriage stronger than it's ever been. No, and I I so believe that last one too that you were talking about. Like I've seen, you know, just from when I was a kid, whether it was my friends, moms and dads or teammates, moms and dads, or just people I knew through my parents, I would see, and I, you know, I hear my parents talk about it, but like maybe one person in the couple getting super into working out, their life just changes and they go from maybe like a party person to a total fitness junkie 24 seven. And the other partner doesn't go along with that. And then they stray. And I've seen in that exact situation, like several divorces between people we know. And so that's always kind of stood out for me that in my relationships growing up, like I want to have the same 
long-term goal? Is it buying a villa in Italy and working towards that and being able to afford that and, you know, whatever it is. And that is so important to me, to us. But the one question I do have for you is how do you consolidate? You know, you were talking about you and your husband. He's an introvert. Now, this, we flip again because Shane is the introvert. I thought he was an extrovert because he was a party guy. But he's only an extrovert in like certain situations where he goes totally goofy to make up for how introverted he is. Yeah. Oh, it is hard for me to give him space. We're, we're, we're quite codependent, which I know isn't good when it comes to <laughs> attachment. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're aware. We're trying to work on it. But like – if one of us is taking a bath, if he's taking a bath, I'm sitting there at the end of the bathtub and we're like listening to a podcast or chatting or this was before kids, but something like that. It's hard to do something alone. I'm always like, come on, we live in the same house. We got married, like you said, because we like spending time together and you're asking for time away. Like what's up with that? And it's hard for me to wrap my head around. So how do you consolidate what your partner needs with what you need? Mm-hmm. Compromise. That's the only way I know how to say it. So we didn't compromise well at all, especially our first two years of marriage. And a part of, so part of it is not only because we were newlyweds, but we were young, we were living in a different country. We were living in Korea. So there was just a lot going on that was adding to the stress of it. Was that like uh, military stuff? Yeah, okay, that was, okay. yes, cool. that was his first duty station. And, and so there was just a lot and I didn't have, I think another thing that made it worse back then is also, I didn't have friends there. I had right. left yeah. my friends and my family to be there with him, which added to how angry I was. Because <laughs> it's like, I'd be a disaster. I'd be an emotional wreck. I was an emotional wreck. <laughs> I was definitely an emotional wreck. So during those two years, like I didn't, I didn't really handle it well. Mm-hmm. But now, when we got to where we could talk about it and I could really understand what is it he needs and hear it through the lens of what he needs, not just what I wanted him to to want that we, that's how we just began to compromise. So I was able to tell him, well, here's what I need. Mm -hmm. Like at my core, I need time with you every day. I need to know what's going to happen. I mean, it's not going to happen every single day, but we try to make it happen every day. Most days where, where we just talk for Mm -hmm. 15, 20, 30 minutes, just about our day, catch up on things. Like I need that. I need for us to do something socially one to two times a month, whether it's going out for dinner with friends or going to certain parties. And then he was able to tell me, I need time to prepare for that. So if you're, if you know, we're going to a Super Bowl party, I need to know like two weeks in advance so I can just mentally start preparing. Yeah. And so we, that's what, just what we started doing. I learned, we kind of learned the rules of engagement about Mm -hmm. it and honored it honor, honor what each other needs. And if it ever gets out of balance, we just have a conversation now. Mm -hmm. No, that's, that's so good. And again, like we are still learning how to ensure that our own needs are met while being just conscious of the other person's, you know, and what they want to do. Cause that is hard. Cause if you're feeling like hurt or not understood, it's hard for you to say, okay, I'm going to go out of my zone and, and make this good for you. But then I'm still feeling like shit. Cause I'm not getting recognized here. But I think, I think this is so great. And I've loved Kimberly, every aspect 
of this conversation. And thank you for sharing so openly with me, with the listeners, because it was so fascinating. And I really love when, you know, somebody can come on and say, look, like the people in my life aren't perfect. My marriage isn't perfect, but it's great. And this is why it's great. And this is what we do. And actually acknowledge that there's good and bad to everything. And there's tough times because you know, I personally get tired on Instagram of seeing people being like, oh, everything's great. This is what you can do to have a great life like me. Nothing's ever bad. Uh-huh. And it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for sharing. And if listeners want to go and check out Marriage Helper, check out you, where can they do that online? That's perfect. So you can go to marriagehelper.com. We actually also have a free mini course that goes that does uh, goes back through the four-step process of falling nice. in okay. love and some other things that we haven't talked about. So they can get that there. You can also follow me on Instagram, Kimberly Beam Holmes or marriage helper on Instagram as well. And then I have a podcast too. It's all about, it's about the pies. So that first thing we talked about, about attraction. So it's called, it starts with attraction. And I cover one of those four areas, physical, intellectual, emotional, or spiritual in every podcast. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. And it's a great podcast, by the way. We were snooping it before we had you on. (laughs) I love it. But uh, Kimberly, thank you so, so much for your time with us. We really appreciate it. Looking forward to get this one out there. Yes. Thank you, Alexandra. I loved being here. Nice meeting you. eh? Take care. Yes, you too. Bye. Great job. What a wild story. Love to hear it. Yeah. As just the person who's fascinated with, you know, interesting stories. But (laughs) speaking of which, let's get into the mailbag segment where I'm sure you got a bunch of interesting questions or maybe just statements and stories that we're going to be discussing. You've researched things online. You've consolidated only the best cream of the crop things tonight. You're shaking your head like maybe we got some stinkers, but whatever. Let's just begin it. All right. What's something you have noticed your kids do that you never taught them? And I'm sorry, I'm It was hard for me to say without laughing because literally five minutes before bedtime tonight, Lucy goes, hey, mommy, look at me. And I looked at her and then she turned around, stuck her butt out and went like with her mouth, like she didn't actually toot, but with her mouth. And I was like, I did not obviously teach her this. Did you? Yeah. You did? Well, sometimes with her stuffed animals, we play a game and I like hearing kids laugh. It's fun. Like it's very cute. (laughs) So I get the stuffed animal. And I turn around and I fart and then I act like the fart is so powerful that it blows the other stuffed animal away and it goes flying. It is a very funny bit. It's very visual. Lucy loves it. So I guarantee if she had done that fart noise and you had blown back, she would have howled. Yeah, but like, do we want her taking this to daycare? I don't know. What's wrong with it? It's, I don't know. It's kind of gross, I guess. Or what, like, what about if we're in the grocery store and she just turns around and Let's one rip. She's three. (laughs) Get that kid out of here. Excuse me, ma'am. Toddler needs to leave. Farty noise. Have some respect for yourself. (laughs) All right, next question. Is there anything that you look back on in life that you regret? For me, yeah. And then we've talked about this before. I, I think it is so dismissive to say, oh, no regrets and live your life with no regrets type thing. You should have regrets in the sense that, in this, in my opinion, you should have regrets in the sense that you can look back and things that you have done in ways that you have responded to things and handled things and tell yourself, oh, hey, like I could have done that better. 
Because then there's no learning from how we treat other people, how we treat ourselves, how we, what's the word I'm looking for? Like motivate yourself and, and do work and everything if you can't actually recognize your own faults and how you can improve. So I have definite regrets. I have regrets in, you know, maybe how I talked to my mom as a teenager, for sure. Uh, I feel bad about that all the time. Not that I was any more horrible than your average teenage girl, I don't think, honestly. But having kids and knowing what you go through, it's really hard to imagine my kids doing that. Uh, So that's a tough pill to swallow. And I guess how I've treated ex-boyfriends, which wasn't always uh, the kindest. But yeah, yeah, I I regret, you know, any, any cheating yeah, I regret everything. Yeah, I'm embarrassed <laughs> of stuff I said on our last podcast. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> one of those people. I have a an impulse control mm-hmm. problem, but I try to learn from my, my mistakes. I always say, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, you 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 can't fool me again. <laughs> who am I quoting? <laughs> I don't know. George Bush. Group, who? George Bush Jr., I think, actually. Oh, he's oh, like that's He's crazy. trying to do fool me once, yeah, yeah. shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I actually am him. I can't even make fun of him. Okay, move on. I, I regret that. <laughs> I was going to say you regret this question. Okay. Do you think it's okay to catch up with an ex if a long time has passed, everyone is now married, and moved on? If you feel like they're looking really good, Yes. Yeah, but even... I'm joking, Alex. That's not... <laughs> I'm joking. I'm saying I think that it would be uncomfortable no matter what. Maybe if your spouse is friends with them as well and it's, you know, you all know each other, maybe that's different. But there's... Is there a reason you need to be friends? Do you not have enough other friends that you need this person back in your life? Like, what is the point of catching up with this person? You might need an extra player on your co-ed frolf team or something look elsewhere like what if you can't find anyone (laughs) hey x from 15 years ago that i haven't spoken to since you want to be on my frolf team i don't know could have been seven years ago maybe she's really good at frolf (laughs) that's a possibility i guess but like if i became really good friends with a serious ex that i had had how would you feel about it i don't know it depends i'd have to see how you two interact with each other I well, don't you like know, there's memories. Jealous. I don't like to be jealous. I don't know. I don't know how I'd react. It's tough to say. No, it's tough because when you are dating somebody, you know, at, at any point, if you're dating somebody seriously, you know them so well and they're so a part of your life. But then it's funny because the second you break up or and time has passed, I mean, you're, you're total strangers. Really, I'm pretty much total strangers with a lot of my exes. Like if I was to see them, I think it would get awkward in conversation after the initial, hey, how's it going type thing. Yeah. Because we don't have anything to, like we don't really have anything in common anymore. Yeah, you you usually go to sleep before me. So it would, I think it would just take a month of recon of going through your phone every night for a month, (laughs) seeing how the text exchanges are going and judging it based off that. That's what I think. Yeah, it's it's a weird I honestly don't think it could work because I just unless there are some extenuating circumstances, I don't see the need to have that specific person as a friend back in your life. And I I think there's something a little fishy there. And there always is. Yeah. Even with someone who's not an ex, who's just a member of the opposite sex. Yeah. That can be dicey for some people. Yeah, absolutely. Again, absolutely. Again, 
things are and it's tricky right because then if you say that you're unhappy with friendships between people of the opposite mm-hmm. sex i mean that's not exactly cool to say but regardless of if it's cool to say it or not i think that a lot of people just are because there's that inherent jealousy and nervousness and uh whether you trust your partner or not but it's tough next question if you were really famous do you think your relationship would last in the public eye i definitely do like i think we'd be fine who'd be a better famous person me or you you yes (laughs) that's correct (laughs) why do you say you would just be out of control what do you mean well, what, what do you mean? Why do you say I'd be a better famous person? Well, because I think you'd love it. And I wouldn't love it. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> you'd love it more than anybody. I don't think I would. I wouldn't love it more than you. I think you'd love it more than me. I would not. Yeah. You love that sort of thing way more than me. Yeah, but you don't need to be super famous, like get access to cool places. You could just be mildly famous. But I think you would like, because you, you're more, okay, you're creative, right? I'm not. Yes, you are. Well, not not like you. That doesn't make any sense. You're just the same as me. Well, I think you put out more than I do, right? And <laughs> that might be true, <laughs> but let's stay on topic. <laughs> but uh, I I just think that, and I mean, correct me because I'm wrong. But I will. Sometimes I think your goal is to. Be wildly rec, and I think this is be wildly recognized for your art yeah. and respected. Yeah, that that is, but it's not to be famous. Well, how would you measure uh, respect? Well, okay, so like, I guess what I'm asking is, what would it take for you to feel like you got the show coming out? What would it take for you to feel satiated in? I have that thing that I want. I'll put it to you this way. Let's say I had rippling apps. More, I'll say more (laughs) rippling apps than I do have now. And I was just known everywhere. I had 5 million followers and I had like perfect jawline. I was just famous for washing cars every day. I'm just popular. I'm an icon in a a sense. That would do nothing for me. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say I had a show, which was kind of underground, but was so respected in the comedy Mm -hmm. community, that would mean everything to me. I could still go to the grocery store. Maybe every other month, one or two people recognize me. That would be perfect. That'd be so idyllic for me. And Mm -hmm. I would just feel complete. So fame means nothing. Respect in my field, which I'm pursuing, that means everything to me. Yeah, that's that would be nice. Every every couple months. And then you live, like, I don't know what Tom Hanks' wife looks like. Rita that's, Wilson, you know? She's not off the top of my then. head. I don't know what now and that is. What no. is that? It's a movie. Don't know it. Oh, I watch it every <laughs> now and then. It's got uh, Rosie O'Donnell in it. I don't know why I'm pulling this. <laughs> You're not, you have Rosie posters in your room. <laughs> like I know one Rosie movie. Rosie Perez or O'Donnell? O'Donnell. Which one? Riding in Cars with My Sister. Oh, okay. Only I, we, because we that was- We can't even talk about that movie. That, that movie's so terrible. No, I only know about it because Angelica Houston directed it and they were going to use my family's house to film it. That movie's pretty much canceled I've never too, seen by the it. Way. Oh. I thought you've seen A League of Their Own though. A uh, long time ago. Yeah. Don't really remember it. Um, But I, I like it's such a cultural thing, you know, that movie. But I need to I need to see that again. Maybe we can watch it tonight after this. Well, the Super Bowl. I forgot. Oh, it's a Super We're Bowl football. today. We're football fans. We haven't mentioned it. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
The other, ooh, Shaney. This is this is a Shaney one. Mm. The other podcast Shane does. I noticed that they changed the name. Why did they do that? And is it risky to rebrand? Why do we do it? Well, there is contracts and all this technical reasons, and sometimes a contract is up and. You just say, oh, well, this show name doesn't make sense in the way it once did anyway. We might as well change our name. So the show is called Mike on Much. And it because originally it was associated with Much Music and Mike Veerman was the sole host. And and for those outside of Canada, Much Music is like the MTV of Canada. Correct. Well, we didn't explain Roma Pizza. I didn't think oh, we true. <laughs> Roma Pizza for the people at home, by the way, is a pizza without cheese, just sauce, that sounds kind of gross and weird, but it is famous in Hamilton. It, it is, I think, only available in our city, and it's so famous here. But yeah, it's huge. It sounds weird. Give it a shot if you're ever in Hamilton. It is famous. But about the name. So it just made sense to change the name. And I guess, yeah, if you rebrand, you're going to lose some subscribers. You're going to lose some fans maybe in the confusion of it all. But if those people aren't fans enough to even follow you on your switchover... And we had an amazing guy, by the way, his name's Nathan Nash, who helped with that switchover where we were able to do it seamlessly right. in a way. Like, I don't think people even had to re-hit the subscribe button. They didn't. It just it just changed beautifully. Yeah. yeah. But people still will have problems finding it who don't subscribe. So we knew there was going to be some loss there. But we don't care about that. We only wanted the super fans anyway. Can I say I started subscribing when you guys switched over? Yeah, I do think it had that effect because people were uncertain if it was going to be seamless or not. So out of fear, a lot of people who had just searched mm -hmm. previously now subscribe. Because I, I used to listen every time you guys released one, but I'd always just look up Mike on Much. And yeah, then when you switched I over, I was like, oh my gosh, Like, how am I actually not subscribed to my husband's other podcast? And I hit subscribe and now it's great. I don't subscribe to any podcast. It takes up too much space on your phone. Yeah. It's too much. Except for this Family Tree podcast, we take up scientifically the least amount of space on your phone. Why scientifically? Well, that's just the thing. So subscribe to us. Don't just search for us because uh, it does funny help. Right now? Yes. Oh. You can laugh, Shane. I, I'm just in <laughs> shock right now. <laughs> All right, next question. My three-year-old gets out of bed in the night and comes into our bed. Do I need to work on this, or do kids grow out of doing this? Um, I continued going into my parents' bed until I was way too old. Like if my dad was away on business or something, which he'd do often. You still sometimes sneak out of the house and drive <laughs> over there. They do live a minute away in your defense. It's easy. But uh, no, I was going into my mom's room, you know, every time there was a thunderstorm or if I had a bad day or something like that. And we'd, we'd snuggle. Well, first year of university, it's an uncertain time. and No, like th at that old. Yeah, okay. I understand why the joke wasn't funny because it actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, if you, I mean, kids aren't going to stop that. Of course they want to sleep with you. you get, they get snuggled by their parents. It's safe. It's warm. It's kind of fun. It's novel. They're going to want to keep doing that, you know, unless you're down to continue this until they're 10 years old, then I would, I would try to change the habits and try to stop that. Lucy got in the habit a little bit because she was waking up at night uh, about six months ago, she was waking up at 3 a.m. And one night I was like, just so tired of sitting with her. So I brought her into my bed and I let her sleep with me and she actually went to sleep. But then the next night she did the same thing. She said, okay, mom, I'm ready to go to your bed. And I was like, okay, you're going to go to sleep. Bring her in. Does not sleep the whole night. 
She's just so excited to be cuddling with me. This happened for like three more nights. It was hell. I was haggard. I was just so utterly exhausted. So then the next time she cried, I went in and checked up on her, made sure she was okay, didn't have to go to the bathroom. And then I just shut the door. And she cried a little more and then eventually just fell asleep. Habit was broken. And we are all so much better off for it. But It's good, yeah. I say get out of the bed. Yeah. It's just I don't want a child in our bed, so Mm -hmm. let's not make it a habit and it won't become one. Yeah, like save it strictly for nightmares and thunderstorms, whatever. Not even. (laughs) Humans are so good at adapting to things. I'd rather hop in the crib and sleep there. Then they're like, see, oh, you like it. (laughs) All right, next question. I've noticed that when people get cheated on, they always seem more mad at the person their partner cheated with than their own partner. Why do you think this is the case? So, like, I can make assumptions, but I did look this up to get, you know, what the pros say is the reasoning here because... Well, you don't want to get so mad at the person that you can't get back with them, right? Yeah. Is that the reason? That's one of them. So we got eight reasons here. Ooh. Number one, we see the other person as a threat, whether it's a woman, a man, whatever. We see them as a threat and they make our self-esteem hurt because they have something, I guess, that we don't have. Next, you see the act of cheating as a personal rejection, right? And and that goes along with the first thing because there's something about you yet that your partner is rejecting in our minds and they're seeking out in somebody else. Next, it's hard to accept that your partner betrayed you. Like you tell each other you love each other, that, you know, you get pissed off anytime somebody else hurts your partner, yet they have gone and cheated on you. And it's so hard to get your head around sometimes. So it's it's hard to look at that person and say, you cheated on me. You deserve to be the point of my anger. Next, you believe if it wasn't for that person your partner wouldn't have straight. And it's like, there's something about that person that lured your partner in and it's their fault, not your partner's fault. They couldn't help themselves. Yeah, if it's Pam Anderson, what are you going to do, right? (laughs) Or Tommy Lee. Oh, no, no, no. You don't like Tommy Lee? Babe, not present day Tommy Lee. Well, people say I'm the Tommy Lee for the new generation. So wait, does this mean you're like Tommy Lee 20 years ago or Tommy Lee now? I would think Tommy Lee at my age because he's 25 years older than me. See, I always liked Tommy, but now his representation in the show, Pam and Tommy, that we're watching, makes me not like Tommy. It makes okay. me think, ooh. But did you like young Tommy yes, to look yes, at? Yes, yes, Okay, I'm that now. <laughs> All right, next. Uh, you're certain that you'd never fall for a married person. So it's like you can't get over the fact that this person went for somebody who was married because it's something that you think that you would never do and you are holding yourself to a different moral standard than them even though like i wouldn't ever date somebody who was married well pam anderson was always married and if she was out and you're at the club you're like well she's married like four or five times there you go uh next you don't want to face your own flaws so if there's something wrong in your relationship maybe it's something that you don't want to broach and you've been scared to approach whether it's the fault of your partner or you or you two together did what did i rhyme broach approach oh I may as well be at tonight's Super Bowl, the halftime show. Because there's rap there for the people who Snoop. don't know. Snoop. Who else? All I, I know is Snoop. I'm just Snoop, excited. Snoop, Eminem, Dr. Dre. Um, who, who's, I feel like, oh, there's a, a younger one, Kendrick Lamar. Oh, cool. Next, you believe that once that person is gone, you'll return to living happily ever after and everything will be solved. Because again, 
you think it was just that one person. And lastly, it feels safer to like hurl your anger at that person than your partner. Because again, you don't want to put up with the disagreements. You don't want to put up with the yelling with your partner. You want to get right back to the consoling phase and the warmth and everything. And that obviously makes it tough because, you know, it's it's your partner that is equally as deserving or more than that other person of your anger. But okay. anything that? No, this is just eight things. Like yeah. That's all it was from, the, from, from the experts. All right. <laughs> I want to answer it uh, thoroughly. All right, next question. Does Lucy do any activities like dance or sports classes? How many activities is ideal for kids to be? So Lucy isn't in anything right now, and it's been tough the last couple of years because that's when we, you know, we're ideally hoping to start her in activities with other kids when it's fun. But we did sign her up and Betty for soccer this summer. So they're both like Thursday nights. They're at the same time, different groups. And I am so excited because Lucy is going to be on a team with all of her other friends' kids, and they're going to have their own coach. And it's like kind of like a it's not a private thing, but it seems like that because we're going to know everybody else in the class. And I can't wait. I think it's going to be super adorable. But I don't know how many things at one time is good. I think like one thing per season is probably ideal because then you're not overexerting yourself as a parent. The kid isn't feeling like they don't have time to do their own thing. What do you? What's your thought on it? I don't know. See what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And then if it's too much, just say, okay, no more karate on Tuesdays. Yeah. Yeah. But like expose them to as many things as you can because you don't know what they're going to like. You don't know what they're going to actually enjoy doing or be good at. Yeah. I'll take a bath. Time is worth as just as much as money is worth. No. Some cases. 100%. It's like, oh, we don't return your deposit. It's like, okay, we're still never returning. <laughs> nice. I like living that way. No, I agree. I was actually just talking to... Uh, somebody that I work with in my other job they are now running they're retired and they're running a music academy a what a music academy oh, okay and there's like a cafe in the front for parents to sit at and like have a coffee or whatever while the kids are doing the lessons and it is so swank looking it is so cool looking I'm like yeah we could throw Lucy in a drum class I could go and sit and have a coffee and get some work done while she's you know doing whatever I used to take a hip hop dance class. <laughs> I thought it was going to be so cool. It sucked. And I was a terrible hip hop dancer. And I thought I like I wore a crisscross shirt. If people know the reference, <laughs> they know it. But if they don't, they don't. But anyway, crisscross wore the shirt backwards. Mm. So I was wearing a crisscross shirt backwards, white pants. Like they're actually zebra stripe pants. Oh boy. Hat backwards. And I was the worst dancer there. But I was dressed <laughs> like I'd be the best dancer. And then we were supposed to put up this big uh, recital at Cops Coliseum. Like a lot of people were supposed to show up. I got so nervous. I just backed out of the class. And luckily, <laughs> my parents are cool enough to be like, yeah, you're terrible. You should back out. And it was no fuss. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I like it. Was that the thing that you were the worst at? Oh, I'm Everything I try, I'm always <laughs> the worst. Karate was terrible. You tried karate? Oh, Every kid thinks that karate is going to be, you you show up, there's going to be a bunch of boards there. You're going to smack boards in half instantly. Then they're going to bring out some foot soldiers or something, and you're just going (laughs) to kick their asses. But it's always all this boring shit for like four years. Katas? Oh, katas are terrible. Okay, describe a kata for somebody who doesn't know what it is. It's basically a really boring dance routine with no (laughs) fancy moves and just weak punches and like kicks that don't go above your waist. Plus noises like this. (gasps) 
And the people who really get into the katas, it's embarrassing unless that's your life passion. But if you're six and you've just seen the Ninja Turtles, all you want to be is a Ninja Turtle and you want to eat pizza after you just kicked a bunch of 45 year old men's asses. But none of that happens. And it's a lot of hard work. And my, my sister didn't want to join. I did. Long story short, she ended up getting a black belt. I quit when I got my yellow belt. That's wild. I, I still can't believe your sister's black belt, but I've seen her kick and her kick is so powerful. It's nuts. Yeah, she doesn't. I don't know. People, a lot of people think black belts can just, all of them can hurt you badly. Kill? Yeah. I feel like I could still, you know, out my sister in a way. I feel like I could beat her in a fight. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Careful what you say. She might listen. <laughs> Shows up at the door with her Car black belt. squealing down the street. <laughs> this pod's not even out yet. We're recording it. Uh, oh. Anyway. Final, final question. You know, okay, I will say on that topic, like just thinking about things that we were bad at as kids. Oh, I thought the topic was beating up my sister. <laughs> no. My goodness, no, no. I was in gymnastics as a kid. and Were you gymnasty? I was gym terrible. Mm. And I was so bad. I would just get there and the only thing I would want to do was like the foam pit, you know, jump in the foam pit, be a crazy person and just have so much fun. And they awarded everybody at the end of the, you know, well, not everybody, but we sat down, we had a big award ceremony at the end of the year and I got the Daredevil Award, which I was and still am super honored by. And they put a scratch and sniff sticker on it. I think it was grape. But I got the Daredevil Award because I was the most fearless person there. I would assume so, yeah. <laughs> it only makes sense. But uh, it was also saying, hey, Alex, you came every day. You showed up and you tried hard, but you sucked. Oh, I was on a team once. I got the Sportsmanship Award. Most sportsmanlike. How humiliating is that? that? But it's a nice award. Oh. I used to get those too. That's why I'm saying this. It's just because I was shy and polite. I wasn't even <laughs> that good of a sportsman. I got. I actually got kind of pissed off in games because I hate losing. <laughs> See, I've like, I have, I wasn't nice while playing any sports. I was super aggressive, overly aggressive. Yeah. But I was always very kind. Like I would go. Yeah, me too. And you know, try to break somebody's nose in one breath and then help them up off the floor in the next. I am the most competitive person on planet Earth, so it That's is true. It's hard to cross me in a sport <laughs> and for me to talk kindly for ten minutes afterwards. <laughs> and the final question I'm not sportsman like did you guys start room sharing for Lucy and Betty and how's it going no we, we we've not started we are we've talked about it though talked about it lots we've been talking about it for like a year we won't shut up about it and we still haven't done it because uh we like the status quo we're all talk and no results that's <laughs> you've also probably noticed we talked about changing the theme song or changing the opening we and- changed the opening today you just took words out. Let's not yeah. act like that was some big planned thing. It, I planned you called it. an audible. You were t- two seconds in. You're like, oh, I, I usually forget how to say the cat's in a room anyways. So. Shane, I planned it five minutes before we even started. I wow. said, tonight's the night. Well, amazing new catchphrases that are going to come <laughs> yeah. out of that. I can't wait to see the t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I love this Family Tree's new intro. <laughs> All right, but folks, that is all we have for you tonight. If you are listening, please go subscribe. Give us a five-star rating rating, and rave about us in the comments because we will so appreciate it. And it actually truly does mean a lot to us. But that's all we got. 
thank you for listening to This This Family Family Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 120.